Okay. Well, it's been a few weeks. Today I would like to take up one specific theme with you, one question really, concerning Christianity. There's a popular theological term within Christianity called regeneration. Have you ever heard the term regeneration with relationship to Christianity? What is regeneration? Orthodox Christianity, and what I mean by orthodox is I mean true Christianity. I mean true and faithful Christianity according to the Scriptures teaches that regeneration is absolutely necessary for salvation. And if it is so important, what is it? If I ask you here today, what does it mean to be regenerated? What does regeneration mean? Now there are many churches or so-called churches associated with Christianity that are not orthodox, that don't teach at all on regeneration. And those we might refer to as pseudo-Christian cults. But when we talk about regeneration, let's just start by breaking down the word. If we break down the word, it will help us understand what it means. So, the first part, re. What does re mean? Re is just an indication to us that something is being done again. If you mess up your taxes, you might redo your taxes. So you're doing them again, making a correction, doing something different, something new. If you have a hailstorm like we had recently and the paint's busted off your house, you might repaint your house. You have to do it again. You have to correct it. You have to make it right. So to redo something, re just means to do something again or to fix it. Generation simply describes the origin of your existence. So we might say, I was born in this generation. What do I mean by that? Well, that marks a period of time when several people of a similar age were born. It's that generation. And it's from the same root from the first book in your Bible, Genesis. The Genesis, the beginning, the origin. And so generation simply means the beginning of your existence or to put it simply, your birth. So when we combine this re, to do, or to do something again, and then generation, your beginning, your origin, your existence, regeneration means to be born again. Now there's a term I know all of you have surely heard. To be born again or regenerated. And the question is, what does it mean to be born again? A lot of people, if you ask them, have you been born again? They'll say, oh yeah, yeah, I have, I have, because they've heard some teacher or preacher tell them they need to at some point in their life. Whether they actually have been born again or not is an entirely different thing. So one example, clear, the clearest example of this is found from Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus. Now you all remember who Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel. He was very intelligent, very well-respected Jew, a Pharisee who taught the believers in God, the Jewish people in that day, about God. Very respected. He's the kind of guy, this would have been in that day, your generation probably heard a lot about Billy Graham, didn't you? He's this great figure that everyone respects and thinks highly of, this great preacher. Well, in this day, Nicodemus would have been viewed by these people much like Billy Graham. So imagine if Billy Graham were to walk in the door before he died, if he'd walk in that door in front of me right now and start talking to me about religion. And I looked at him and said, Billy, you must be born again. All your accolades, all your achievements, all the people you've reached for God doesn't amount to anything if you're not born again. You might think, well, how dare you? The audacity of me to look at someone that renowned, that respected, that appreciated and say, you must be born again. That's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. 
this great respected teacher. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You may be familiar or recognize the names John Wesley and George Whitfield. Do you remember those men? John Wesley, he was the founder of the Methodist Church, and also Wesleyans today trace their roots back to him and his brother Charles. But John Wesley and George Whitfield were both laborers in the First Great Awakening in this country. And John and George, they labored together, and sometimes the, the stories historically of things they experienced overlaps a little bit. And so I've heard this next story attributed to both of them. But one of these two guys... They were preaching one day and they were crying out to the people they're preaching to, you must be born again. And one woman comes up to them and says, why do you keep telling us that you must be born again? And the response that was given was, because my dear woman, you must be born again. It's not up for question. It's an absolute necessity. In other words, if you are not born again, Jesus says you will not see the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, you will not see God. You will not go to heaven. You will not be saved. You'll face the wrath and judgment of Almighty God if you are not born again. That's how serious this is. And so, if it is impossible to see the kingdom of God or to be with Him in heaven without being born again or regenerated, how important do you think it is that we know what it means to be born again? If you enter eternity, if you step out into eternity without some real understanding of this, you can have no hope for your soul. That's how big a deal this is. So, what does it actually and practically mean to be born again? What does it mean? How do you know if you have been born again? Ezekiel chapter 36 explains this very clearly. This is a promise of God of what He was going to do after Christ came into the world. And it's something that's been going on since the beginning of time. God doing this work. Listen to this. As you hear this description, ask, is this something God has done in my soul? Ezekiel 36.22 says this. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of My holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of My great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you... I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here's the first point. We cannot and will not inherit eternal life if we remain in the same condition that we're born in. 
If you're, you're born one way, that's what God's saying in, through Ezekiel, you're born with a certain kind of heart, a stony heart. That means that it loves sin. It loves evil and it's enslaved to evil. And you look at yourself and those that you know and you may say, well, they're not really that bad. Maybe not by your estimation, but you're not God. There's one thing that this Scripture of yours will tell you more than anything. It's that there is a God and you're not it. This God who is holy and just and good, He looks at the inward parts of a man and says, it's filthy in there. There's a stony heart. If you remain in that condition, you will not inherit eternal life. That's the first thing about this. The second thing is that what is God's purpose in making us new? Why does God do this? He told the Israelites there in Ezekiel 36, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for my name, which is profaned among the nations. Here's the picture. The nation of Israel went by the name people of God. And when they lived, in sin and rebellion, it was communicating to the nations, this is what their God is like. It's profaning the name of God. Now let me ask you, is there any such thing today as people who go by the name Christian, who say, I love Jesus and live in such a way that profanes the name of the living God, that suggests things about God that are not true? The answer is absolutely there is. The the reason that God purposes to do this New creative work is for His own glory. The next thing in the text that shows us what it means to be born again is that this darkened and evil heart, which is ruled by evil and selfish and sinful desires, God says, I'm going to remove it. I'm going to take out that heart of stone. I'm going to remove that about you that is in rebellion to me and to have those evil desires replaced with the desire for God. So here's essentially what the teaching is today. Has God changed you? Has He done a work in you where He's taken out that which is in rebellion to Him and placed inside of you a love for Him and what is good? You see, if we claim that we love God, if we claim that we belong to God, if you're hoping to inherit eternal life and yet you live in unrepentant sin, and carnality, then you make God out to be a liar. Do you see that in the text? God says, I'm going to do this. Why? Because my name's profaned in the world because of you. Okay, what are you going to do? I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes and observe my ordinances. By my Spirit, I'm going to do this. Now, if someone says, God has done this work in me, and yet God is not actively bringing those things about in their life, It makes God out to be a liar. And God is not a liar. If He does this work, this regeneration, this new creation, there will be a change in the one He does this to. The next Scripture that we'll consider is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now what does that mean? What does it mean that the old has passed away? What does it mean that there's a new creation? It means that as you're born into this world in sin, you're born one way. You're born an enemy of God, in rebellion to God, not loving God. And if you say, that wasn't true of me, you're still in darkness and unbelief. If you refuse to acknowledge the evil within your own heart, 
then you may in fact be one who has been hardened by God and given over to your own depravity. The Scripture teaches we're born in sin. We've talked about this before. How many of you were parents? Are parents? You have children. Did you ever teach your child to lie? Did you teach your child to say mine and take something from their sibling? Did you teach your child to hide from you when they'd done wrong? The answer is no. They do that on their own. You have to teach them not to do those things. You have to invest in them and instruct them and say, child, listen, I know this is what you want to do, but that's not okay. Where does that come from in the heart of a human being? Why is it? And we've mentioned this as well before, but why is there evil in the world at all? Why is there destruction and chaos and murder and strife out there? Why is that? We can sit here self-righteously and say, well, because those people aren't really like me. When the biblical answer is no, they're exactly like you. They're just not being restricted the way that you are. God has restricted us and kept us from being as bad as we could be. The problem with humanity is that if left to ourselves, every single one of us would make Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin and Mao and China all look like little choir boys. We would make them look like mild-mannered people if it wasn't for the grace of God restraining us from doing that. We're born with darkened hearts. That must change about us. And this new creation that is promised to those who are in Christ is that that old desire, that old motive for living, that old selfishness and rebellion to God has been replaced by truth, by love for what is good and what is right. How many of you have ever thought that Christianity is kind of like this religion that tells you, well, I need to do this, I need to not do that, you need to honor your parents, you need to not steal, you need to do what's good, be a productive member of society. It's all about what you're supposed to do. And if you're a good Christian, even though you really would rather take that thing that's not yours, even though you'd really rather abandon your family and go live your best life, if you're a good Christian, you don't do all those bad things you'd rather do, and you do what's good. Have you ever thought of Christianity in that way? The Bible says that's not Christianity. Christianity is not us forcing ourselves to do good things that we don't really want to do. The Bible says God's going to give you a new spirit, new desires, new affections. You'll actually love that which is good. You'll actually agree with God that righteousness is pleasing. That it's actually something you desire. And alas, the question comes, how then does God bring about this great change in people? The Bible says you must be born again. How's that going to happen? You're born one way, you must be born another way. What is the thing that causes that change? Let me ask you this. I assume all of you sitting here were born into the world as children. That's the process. That's how God brings people into the world, right? You were born. What did you have to do with your first birth? Anything at all? Did you do something to bring about your entrance into this world? The answer is no. You were birthed. You were born. It happened to you. And the same way, this being born again that must happen if you're to enter God's kingdom is something that must happen to you. How can a person undergo this divine transformation? How can you be born again? How can you have this change in your heart take place within you? 2 Corinthians 5, verses 20 and 21 says this, Therefore, 
we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, not only do we need a new spirit and a new heart within us in order to glorify God and live after that which is pleasing to Him, we don't have that when we're born the first time. Something's got to change to cause that to happen in us. Here's the question. If you could, by some miracle, live the rest of your life from this point forward only ever doing good and not sinning, what about all your past sins? What's got to happen to those? For one, you will not go on without any sin in this life. But even if you could, you still have a past record of wrongs, don't you? You still have an accounting to give. Imagine the criminal standing before the judge and saying, Judge, I know I murdered that person, but I'm not going to do it anymore. I've got, I've got it out of my system. I'm done. You reckon the judge is going to say, Well, okay, no, don't worry about it. If you won't do it again, then you're free to go. No, a good judge won't do that. A good judge will say, you're guilty and your crime will be punished. In a like way, our sins must be accounted for and atoned for. The next part of this text in 2 Corinthians 5, this is the message. Paul says, I'm appealing to you on behalf of Christ and He's speaking through me. And I'm saying to you on behalf of Him, be reconciled to God. Be connected to this God that you're separated from because of sin. And the question that comes is, how is it that you will be reconciled to this God? How is it that you will be made right with Him? How will your sin be dealt with? He says in verse 21, For our sake He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you hear what he's saying? Oh, you have guilt. You have sin that must be accounted for. God will not overlook it. It must be dealt with. He says this one, this Jesus Christ, this one we talk about and sing about and pray about, this Jesus, He had no sin in Him. He did not have a record of wrongs that needed to be accounted for. He did not profane the name of God as a man, though He was God in the flesh. He was sinless. And this sinless one went to the cross. He went to face the wrath of Almighty God for His people and died as their substitute. That they be reconciled to God. And the evidence that you have been reconciled to God and saved by Christ's work on the cross is that your spirit, your heart has been changed. God has done open heart surgery on you. We're not talking about the blood pumping muscle in your chest. We're talking about the seed of the affection and desire in a human being. You're talking about that within you which determines what you want. And until that happens, we will all go on not loving Him. God is pleased. How is a person born again? How do you go from being dead in sin with a dark heart to being changed to this new creation? God is pleased to use this very message, this gospel of Christ and Him crucified. When you hear it, there's a supernatural work where God takes hold of you and says, this one who died, died for you. And He changes you inside and reconciles you to Himself. Here's my closing question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has reconciled you to Himself through His Son? Have you been born again?
Have you been changed and made new? I pray that you have. This is the only hope for a lost and dying world. And it's the only hope for you, the individuals that make up this lost and dying world. It's the only hope for this preacher. And I wouldn't be standing here in front of you for a lesser message than the one I just told you. There's not a message in the world that's worth what I just shared with you about God's work in saving His people. I pray that you trust it, that you believe it, that you hope in Christ and see Him one day as you enter eternity. That I'll go ahead and ask you to bow with me again and we'll close in prayer and then maybe get to spend some time visiting. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for this opportunity to proclaim Your Word and Your truth. I pray that it will have taken root within the hearts of those who've heard it. Oh God, we need You to continue regenerating people. Working in the hearts of people who don't see You and don't love You and making them able to love You. God, we praise You for Your Son and His death on the cross for us. We ask that He would be glorified and receive the fullness of the reward for which He died. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.